It says, For surely I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, and, and he will have whatever he says. So we're going to now focus on does not doubt in his heart. Now before I do that, some people are asking, what is this mountain? Why do I need to move mountains? You know, the reason you want to move mountains is because mountains is within you and your calling, you and your blessing, you and your destiny, you and all all that God has for you and all the spiritual blessings. Many people can't seem to get a hold of the blessing. They just have this big mountain. They don't even know what it is. It's just invisible. They just, just can't climb through it, can't walk through it, can't go around it. Just, just so massive, you know. And you know what they do? They start working on it. It's like, oh, there's such a big mountain. You know, some people have molehills. They've been still working on it, you know. Just can't get through the mountain. They have this massive mountain. So you want it to remove. And so people know that. So they really work. They strive. They use religious works. They use money. They use whatever that they can use to try to move mountain. They're very sincere in their heart, believing that they can actually move mountain. And the world is telling them, hey, yeah, you can move mountain. You know, you just have to work hard and so forth. But the Bible says this, the works of faith is to follow the word of God. And then we're going to say, if you want to move mountain, don't move it yourself. Just say it. Say to the mountain, be thou removed. Be thou cast into the sea. Say it. Use your faith strength, not brute force. You know, many people are strong, they're big, you know. They're so used to using their brute force. Anything to just try to use their brute force to fix it. But when it comes to faith, you cannot use any strength that you have. You cannot use the skills you have. You cannot use your degree, your knowledge. But you've got to use faith and obey the word of God and say that say to the mountain, be thou removed, and, and say it, use your mouth to say it, and that's the way faith works. Now, and then the word of God says it does not doubt in his heart. Now, I need to explain this, uh, this part, because it's very confusing for many, many believers, because every time they come to the Lord, you know, they feel like, they believe, but they still don't believe. I don't know if you have, to have that experience, you know, remember the, the father of the, um, the epileptic child, you know, he, 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 he came to Jesus, and he said, you know, Lord, I believe but help my unbelief. He believes, but he still feels like he is not believing. That's just confusion here because people thought, okay, I, I think I have doubt, and because of that, I'm not qualified for this. And I'm going to explain to you what Jesus means. You know, Jesus said, does not doubt, and didn't stop there. He said, does not doubt in his heart. Everybody say, in his heart. You know what in his heart means? You know, every time when the Bible teaches about heart, he's not talking about a physical heart. He's talking about you, in the, your, the, the, the essence of you. In other words, it's your spirit. You see, you and I, we are spirit. You see, we have spirit, we possess a soul, and we live in a body. Your real you is your spirit. So when the Bible speaks about the heart, he's talking about you. So it's talking about your heart faith, your spirit faith. You know, God, it, uh, uh, the Bible says you shall not doubt in your spirit, in your heart. Now many people feel that this is one of the areas they can't overcome. And they, they doubt because they have many setbacks and many disappointments, especially in the area of prayer. And that's why they have doubt. You know, remember, you remember Matthew chapter 18, verse 2 to 4. You don't have to turn to it. Jesus said that, you know, our spiritual attitude ought to be like a child, including our faith. You see, a child believes everything you would tell him. As the younger they are, the more believable they are. But as they grow older, they start to know all the tricks. They learn about sarcasm. They become disappointed in life. People are not being honest with them. And so they cannot believe with all their heart. Same as many Christians. 
Many of us have been told about this truth when we're young Christian, but as we get older, we started to try out our faith and we got disappointed. And you know what happened? We, we started to lose faith. We have doubts. We remember the disappointment. And so we have doubt in our mind and we become skeptical and cynical. And so we, we started to doubt God. And I want to propose to you that it is your mind and your emotions that are telling you that this faith thing doesn't work. And yet, here you are. You came to church. Your mind, your emotion tell you it doesn't work. It don't work. It doesn't work. It doesn't work. And you're sitting here week after week. Some of you are pretty faithful every week. Some of you once a year. Praise the Lord. Some of you once a month, whatever, right? So you're sitting here. Why? Why? I'll tell you why. Because, friends, while your soul, which is your emotion and your mind, they are telling you that this faith thing in God doesn't work. While your soul does not believe in God, listen. Your spirit man actually believes. And that's why you are here. You have been driven by your spirit man with all the doubts in your mind. Your spirit man knows something is greater. That desire is from the spirit man. In other words, your soul may be in doubt, but your spirit, uh, your heart actually believes in God. That conviction of God is there. Now we just need to surround ourselves in an environment that allow our spirit and our faith to thrive and to influence our soul. Yes, you have faith and that's why you're here. You have faith more than you know. Your soul may tell you you have no faith. People may tell you you have no faith. Everybody around you may tell you you have no faith because you know your emotion tells you you have no faith. Your memory tells you you have no faith. But your spirit Spirit man has faith, and that's why you're here, and that's why you're sitting here this morning. You were driven here because of the faith in your heart, the faith in your spirit. So you have more faith than you know. Align yourself in an environment that will allow your spirit man to thrive. Unfortunately, most believers, instead of aligning themselves in an environment, that will allow their faith to thrive. They align themselves in an environment that will discourage their faith. Will talk down on their faith to make them discouraged. And then they give very little or no space and opportunity for God to speak to their spirit. And cause their faith to rise. And speak to their soul and cause their faith to rise. They're like, they're like Lot in the days of Lot. You know, the Bible in 2 Peter 2.7 says that Lot was a righteous man. He was a righteous man in the eyes of God. Yet, he was being greatly tormented or dis, uh, disturbed by the sensual conduct of the wicked people around him. So here, here you, know, you have a righteous man. A righteous man was attracted. His soul was attracted to the world. Sodom and Gomorrah was a very prosperous city. And so instead of being like Abraham, just living in a plane, he chose to live in a big city. And so what did he do? He surrounded himself. Nothing wrong with a big city, by the way. This is a great big city. Hallelujah. You got Jesus in your body. You know, he allowed himself. My point is he 
allowed himself to, to be surrounded constantly with wickedness. So it tormented his spirit. He tormented his righteousness. What happened? Well, over time, he didn't even know that he became like them. He's become, he started to think like them. In fact, he thought it was just okay to allow two of his virgin daughters to be raped by the men in the city. He thought it was okay. Now, how sick is that? He becomes so depraved in his mind. And in fact, he's so attracted to this environment that when God, because of Abraham, God sent angels to come and rescue him. He did not want to leave. The word of God said he hesitated. He's like, really? I mean, nuclear bomb was coming down. He was like, oh, I don't know. You know, seriously? And so the angel, the Bible said, literally had to grab them, grab him, his wife, his two daughters, and just pushed him out of the city. Even then wasn't enough because the wife turned around and she became a pillar of salt. She may have left the city, but her heart was still in the city. The city never left her. And so, they allowed themselves, themselves to be surrounded in the environment that didn't allow their faith to thrive. Friends, if you're in an environment... Even Christian environment that do not have faith or speak faith, all they do is social. I would advise you really strongly to reconsider your, the group of people that you're hanging out with. I'm not knocking social. You need social. We are social beings. You have to do the social. But surround yourself with faith people. Can I hear an amen? You know, there was this brother in this church, you know. He was telling me when he was in the hospital. You know, he had, he had a stroke. He was in the hospital. And he absolutely believed. When, the, when everybody's telling him, you know, he's going to be paralyzed. He's going to be able to talk. So he could talk, but no, can't walk, can't move. He can't have any mobility. He absolutely believed that God was going to heal him. He's sitting here right now. God was going to heal him 100%. So he told all the sincere Christian friend who say, oh, it's the will of the Lord. You know, maybe you're going to be paralyzed. Maybe God this and God that. He said, don't come visit me. Don't come visit me. I wish more Christians have that kind of bonus. Don't come visit me. Come visit me in six months after I'm well. He only allowed those people that would speak faith to him to come and visit him in the hospital. And today he's walking. He's sitting right here. You're not excited. Come on, let's praise the Lord. This is real. I haven't asked for his permission. That's why I didn't mention his name. But I'll tell you this. This is real. So he's here today because he had allowed himself to be surrounded in faith. Don't put yourself in an environment where God could even heal you. But because of the environment you're in, you miss him. Oh, you miss his healing. You miss his miracle. You're sitting here this morning because you want to live in miracles. So make a conscious decision to surround yourself in faith, in the faith environment, and allow your faith in the spirit to thrive and overflow to change your soul. Then even your soul will eventually align with your spirit. Now, what about believing or having the same conviction uh, that what you say and ask will also come to pass. I've just talked about having a conviction and have faith in God. But this scripture is not really talking about having faith in God, is it? Especially when it talks about say things, you know, if you, if, for surely I say to you, whosoever say to this mountain. It's not God saying it. You're not, it's not like you're having faith. Jesus is not teaching you to have faith in what God says. But he's teaching you how to have faith in what you say. Whosoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea and doesn't doubt in his heart, but believes and have full confidence 
that those things he said will be done, they will have whatever they say. In other words, carte blanche. How is it that you can have full confidence to the point that you know and you know what you say is going to come to pass? Now we have, well, we may have faith in our spirit to believe in God. To believe that he's good. But what about the things we say? How do we cultivate that same faith, that same confidence that whatever we say will come to pass? Especially when you've experienced a number of disappointments in your life when it comes to prayer. Well, very simple. Watch this. Number one, again, surround yourself in a faith environment. Not just faith in God. Faith in his word that says what you say will come to pass. Everybody believes in God. Everybody believes in Jesus. But I'll tell you, there are a lot of people who don't believe in miracles. Stay away from those people. Because if you are actually contending for miracles, you are contending for it, and you want to believe in God, and you are surrounding yourself with sincere believers that say, oh, maybe it's the will of the Lord. That you ought to resist that. You ought to resist that. This is the confidence we have in him. That if we ask anything according to what? To his will. So the key is this. Is that whatever you want to say. However, whatever you want to say. The confidence you have, can find. Is the confidence in knowing that God thinks the same thing. And he has the same idea. And it is his will to see, see that it happens. So whatever you say, if you know that God is behind you for what you say, there will be a lot of authority and power. But if you say it and you're not too sure, I don't know if God is really into this, maybe he's not, maybe whatever, you know, then you don't have confidence. So we can say and holler till the cow comes home and nothing will happen. But the confidence is that you know it is in his will. How do you know about his will? Well, we explore that quickly on Friday. Number one is through his word. His word do two things. One, it gives you the general will. You know his will because the word of God tells you. You know, it gives you the general promise like healing, salvation. Those are general will. So we believe that God heals, God gives salvation. Those are general will. But there are specific wills that are really not talking to you in the Bible, right? I mean, so, you know, God, God is telling King David, you know, become, become, become king. And, and then, you know, some fool would just say, oh, God's telling me to be a king. Ha, ha, ha. You know, no, he's not talking to you. He's talking to King David. Right? And then, oh, God told the people of Israel, go, go and, 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 and just destroy all the inhabitants of the land that you're about to conquer. And then all of a sudden, some crazy Christian go, oh, here we go. God give me a 007 license to kill. Hallelujah. They are the shortest people in jail. There are things that God specifically say is general promise for us. We take that by faith. But there are also things that is not mentioned in the Bible for us. How then do we know it is the will of God? For example, if there's two really pretty ladies in the church, they both like you. Hmm, first, you cannot have two wives, Shandai. So what do you do? You got to pick one. So you got to pray to the Lord. But, you know, in the Bible, there's no name of Lucy. Lucy is not in the Bible. What are you going to do? Right? So the key is really to discern. Everybody says discern. Discern the voice of God. How to discern the voice of God? Well, the word of God, you know, so what we said, the word of God gives you the general will, but the will of, word of God also helps you to familiarize yourself with how God speaks. 
Do you know how God speaks? You know the word of God says that there are many voices in this, in this earth and none is not without significance. In other words, all the voices got some meaning. And it's talking about speaking in tongue in the context. But you know, there's a lot of voices. And which one is God? You know, your mother could be talking to you. You know, your boss could be talking to you. Your, your children could be talking. You know, sometimes you really can't distinguish all those voices. How do you know it's the voice of God? Or well, one way is really to familiarize yourself with how God talks. It's like writing somebody else's, uh, reading somebody else's mail. After you read a while, you know the person's character. And you know how this person talks. And it's the same thing, once you familiarize with your, yourself with the way God talks in his word, then you can recognize his voice. But the good news is this, the Bible in John chapter 10 verse 27, Jesus promised that my sheep know my voice. My sheep know my voice. This area is really quiet. My sheep know my voice. Thank you. You're alive. Hallelujah. The Bible says, my sheep know, in other words, if you are born again, born of the Spirit, you are a candidate to hear the voice of God. You are now wired to hear the voice of God. You can hear His voice. But watch this. You meaning your spirit, not your soul, not your mind, not your emotion. In 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 14, it tells us that the natural person does not accept the things of the Spirit of God. They are folly to him. In other words, it makes no sense. And he's not able to understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Watch this. The voice of God can only be discerned by your spirit because God is a spirit. And if you try to discern God with your emotion... Or with your intellect, you will hear zero. I don't know if you ever have the experience of trying really hard to hear the will of God. You pray, you fast. You know, I fasted 21 days. And uh, I plan to do 21 days just water. And last 11 days, and then I kind of fell apart. And then so I, I continued to fast with just, you know, one or two meals a day for the remaining of 21 days. But, but at the end of 21 days, do you know what happened? I heard nothing. What a waste of effort. All the food I missed. I have only one life to live and here I am just wasted that 21 days away with all the good food. I was mad. Have you ever come to the place where you really seriously want to hear from God? You're sincerely, oh God, I want to hear you. I want to hear, I want to hear you. And you shut everything down. Don't, no music. No nothing. And you just go into a woods or something, you know, some whatever. And you just, ooh. Oh, you heard it. Ooh, 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 ooh. That is definitely not God. Some hour or something, right? And then you gave up. And then you were driving down the road one day and all of a sudden a thought would just drop into your head and you know it was the voice of God. It was the answer that you have been waiting for. How many of you had that experience before? Three people? Talk back to me. Okay, but if you haven't, then I want to tell you this is what happened. What just happened is that when I intentionally 
want to hear from God. This is what I'm doing. I'm heightening my soulish senses. I am determined in my soul to hear from God in my emotion, in my intellect. I want to see something. I'm heightening my senses in my soul. And when I heighten my senses in my soul, I'm shutting down the sensitivity of the spirit. In other words, the soul is basically just overpowering the senses of my spirit. When I'm relaxed, I'm not even trying to listen to God. That's when God could speak to me. So the key is really, watch this. If you want to hear from God, just relax. Just rest. Because when you're uptight, when you try hard, you tried all this religious rigmarole, fast or whatever. I'm not saying don't fast. I'm not saying don't pray. I'm not saying don't, don't want to hear from God. I'm saying have that desire. But the way that God speaks is he speaks to your spirit. He can only speak to your spirit when you're relaxed, when you're not trying to heighten your senses, your other senses, your soulish and your physical senses. You do it right by shutting down the music to try to limit your physical senses, but we got our solar senses all up alert, on red alert, you know, and, and our spirit just can't get through it. So I want to encourage you, if you really want to hear from the Lord, dress, relax a little bit, and he'll speak to you. I guarantee you. How do you know the voice of God will speak to you? He'll give ide- ideas that you know didn't come from you. Ideas are a lot smarter than your head could conjure up. And don't give credit to yourself. Give praise to God. You know, sometimes we have some great idea. After we pray, we have some great idea. And then we tell everybody, oh, this is my idea. This is so great. You know, I'm so, I'm so, see, God resists the proud, right? But what you want to do is you want to recognize that when great ideas come that you didn't come up with, you know you couldn't have come up with those ideas, you give praise to God because he's speaking to you. Now, in verse 24, Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Now this passage is a little bit different from the passage that we we read earlier on. Is that early on, it wasn't any praying, it was just talking. You say to this mountain, you say it, you command it, you say it. But here is a different context because here it's talking about praying. Jesus is teaching us how how we can also pray for things is that when you pray you believe you got them and you have them so when do we pray and when do we command when do we pray and when do we say what's the difference see some of us have been trying to pray for things that's already been given to us for example healing or casting out demons you know I hear people say oh father oh Jesus please get rid of this devil in this person that is not a right prayer. That is not a scriptural prayer. Because God has already given you the authority. He said, all authority has been given to me. You go and preach the gospel. And in my name you shall cast out demons. And so he had given you the authority. If he had given you the authority, why are you asking him? He's like, oh God, can you help me? God said, no, I've given you the authority. Why are you asking me? So you can beg and holler. Nothing's going to happen. And that's why a lot of people pray and pray and pray and pray. Because they're already given to you. All you have to do is exercise your authority. Everybody say, my authority. This is what the authority God had given you. As a child of God, as a born-again believer, you have the authority in many areas to command things. I'll tell you this. This morning, actually yesterday, I just commanded something. 
And it happened this morning. I was so happy. My joy may be full. The Bible says, oh, I was so joyful. It's like, wow, it works. You have the power and the authority to command. You need to find out which one it is. What has already given, don't pray about anymore. Just command. But what has not been given, you pray. You pray for a spouse. Right? You can't command a spouse. You know, beautiful girl, come within. You know, come on, you know. And uh, so, you know, that's, a, that's how we, we determine how to pray and how to command. And, and also, really, it, to, to have the confidence again is back to first, uh, John 5, 24, 20, uh, uh, 14 and 15, right? Is that this is a confidence we have that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears. And if we know that he hears us, verse 15, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. In other words, many people in their prayer are not reaching to heaven. Don't assume that whatever you say, God can hear it. According to this, God can't even hear you. We can holler, oh God, oh. But if you're not praying according to his will, he can't even hear you. Isn't that something? And so you can't be mad at him and say, God, how come you heard my prayer and you don't answer? You're so unfair, you know, I don't believe you anymore. He can't hear you. For some reason, he has set it up so that only when you pray according to his, his will, then he hears you. As soon as he hears you, you already got it. You see, if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we already have the petition that we ask of him. In other words, you already got it. But in order to get to heaven, the channel is his will. Some of you have been tuning to the wrong channel and been talking to the air. And whenever you stand praying, when you're praying, or you're praying for something, you have something to bring to unto it's not, it's not saying when you stand praising, when you stand worshiping, when you stand asking for stuff. If you have anything against anyone, forgive him, that your Father in heaven may also forgive your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. Who is this doing the forgiving? You have to do the forgiveness. A lot of us are caged in because of the many offenses that we've experienced. Maybe in another church or maybe in another environment, there is such a bitterness in us that, you know, like oh, God understand, I'm not, I'm not condemned or judging you because, you know, it's so hard to get all those hurts out of our way. And I experienced it when I was younger. I, I, it's, I was offended by so many people. And I, I did not know that I was holding a grudge and, and I was grouchy. I, I just, uh, just something, it just, and so whatever I pray, nothing had worked. I was frustrated. And so, you know, I prayed to the Lord and, and, and I humbled myself before God. I tried to hear from him. He said, you need to forgive all these people. And I didn't realize I had a long list of people that I had to forgive. I got offended by so many people. And the offenders don't usually know that they offended me. And so one by one, I started to call them. You know, I said, you know, I, it was not an easy thing. You've got to humble yourself. Say, hey, listen, I just, I, I just want to ask for forgiveness. And I, don't want to, I also want to forgive you. And those are just a very tough process to go through. So when I was going through those process, I promised myself and I promised to God, I'm not going to get easily offended because I just don't like to do this. So I just, just make sure that when people are offending me or whatever, I just want to make sure that I just let it go. Don't allow offense to cage you in. But if you do have an offense, you have to deal with it.
you have to ask God to forgive you and that you're willing to forgive others. I suggested some uh, this uh, to the first service congregation. I said, you know, if the people that had offended you, they're, they're no longer reachable or they whatever, you write a letter to them. You may not know the person's address, but write a letter anyways. And then what you do is you put an envelope and put their name on top of it. And without the address, just drop it in the mailbox. But you say it's not going anywhere. Well, that's the point, right? This is, this is not supposed to meant to go anywhere. It's just for your heart to release something. But you got to go through the exercise.